Hello and welcome to a special show, Accentuating the Positive. We're going to be accentuating the positive around money and influence and healing and change makers in the change maker, difference maker community today. And I've invited a whole stack of people online to have this discussion with me, but we're going to be talking about it with Teresa de Guagua, who is the founder and co-founder of the Evolutionary Business Council who supports a lot of change makers and difference makers and new world leaders, new world thought leaders who are all out there helping people lift their vibration, find success, they're entrepreneurial. But I'm going to talk about this uh, influence and money thing inside the Healers, Lightworkers, Changemaker community because I was having a bit of a chat with Teresa recently and she identified a thought form that was very active within me which is also very active within my change maker community and that is that the pursuit of money is destroying our world and some of the thought forms that are although the ideas that are sort of placed on us when we're inside this change maker community is how you know watching big business pursue money and how it's destroying our planet and if people weren't so um intent on making money we wouldn't be polluting the planet the way it's being polluted some of the other ideas that we are um, bombarded with inside documentaries and um, conversations around money and healing the world is that uh, people are killing each other because of the arms race you know there's big business in selling arms and selling drugs and selling things that are dangerous to humanity at large as well as to the planet and of course this perpetuates all looking at all this perpetuates this idea that the pursuit of money is destroying the world and if you hold that as a belief you really don't want to be a part of pursuing money because as a healer a change maker a light worker a difference maker you feel like you want to make a difference to this world and not be a part of the problem but part of the solution we get to see what we believe is true and, you know, when we believe that people ruthlessly pursue money and they destroy the world, we get to meet and see them all around us. Do you know what I mean? We see them on the news or we meet them or we hear about them in stories because what we focus on, we attract. So I want to get back to Teresa's mother, Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> it's a marker in the gas. It's, it's what shows us the flow of energy around the planet, you know. When I start to have my own limiting beliefs come up, one of my favorite things to do is go Google the pledge and read about the pledge on Wikipedia. Are you guys familiar with the pledge? No. It was created by Warren Buffett, actually, who's one of the wealthiest people on the planet. And he challenged other billionaires to donate more than half of their worldly goods to not-for-profit and charitable aims. And, um, and when you see the list of people whose names are on it, it includes people like Bill and Melinda Gates. I think they're number three, number two and number three. Number four is Ray Dalio, who owns Bridgewater, one of the biggest investment firms in the world. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? 
As a healer, a change maker, a light worker, a difference maker, you feel like you want to make a difference to this world and not be a part of the problem but part of the solution. But when you hold this belief, it really doesn't help you pursue money or make money in order to run a business that actually helps others. So I'm going to introduce Teresa. Hello, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you back on the show. And um, so I've had this discussion a couple of times with Teresa around this because although it helps you as a difference maker and a change maker want to teach people how to pursue love instead of money, because that's what I find within me, it doesn't help you as well. So these negative ideas that we hold about life or ourselves, they help us and they hinder us in life. And it's these subconscious ideas that run us that really help, that really creates the experience we have in life. And so when I was having a chat to Teresa, she identified this thought. And let me tell you, when I identified it as my truth, I was bawling. I was so bawling because the reality of it, the truth of it just resonated inside me so much that I just looked out into the world and thought, look at how the people are destroying the world in this ruthless pursuit of money. Like, how could I hope to be a part of pursuing money when I see it as an evil thing? And it just really, I thought, wow, this is really, I really have an emotional attachment to this thought. It's really huge within me. And I don't think I'm alone. So I came back to Teresa and I said, okay, it's not the pursuit of money that's destroying our world. It's the ruthless pursuit of money that's destroying our world. And then she said back to me, do you want to say what you said back to me, Teresa? I can't remember in this moment. But, you know, I think the main thing we were talking about is money is not good or bad. It just is. You know, money is simply a marker for how we move energy around this world. And so, you know, if you think of money in and of itself as evil, you're kind of missing the point because the exchange of energy is not good nor bad. It just is. And it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. But in and of itself, it's neither of those things. And money as a tool can be actually one of the most useful things on the planet in the same way that it can be one of the most destructive things on the planet. Yeah, what you actually said to me was that... Yeah, I'm um, trying to remember. I think it was a while ago. <laughs> you said to me, my little friends come to say hello. Hello. You said Aww. to me that um, Mother Teresa ruthlessly pursued money. And yeah, she did actually. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that's something to think about, right? She ran one of the most successful not-for-profit businesses on the planet. She attracted hundreds of millions of dollars, but the pursuit of money was not the outcome she was seeking. She simply knew that money was a very useful tool toward the outcome she was seeking. And so she unashamedly um, pursued it. In fact, she's very, uh, famous for certain quotes like um, all money is washed clean in the service of God that was one of her most famous quotes because she used to take massive donations from drug dealers arms dealers who had guilty conscious consciences and her belief was that her taking money from them was neither good nor bad it's what she could put the money to that made the difference and in a way, that was a really nice 
paradigm shift for a lot of people to really look at that, to really say, okay, money isn't good or bad. Actions or outcomes can be good or bad. And then even then, all things are subject to interpretation. So it's really important to not lose sight of what things really are. And money is almost like the, 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 the dye we put in the gas, like natural gas, for example, they put an odorant in it so you can smell it. And the odorant is not the gas. The odorant is just so you can detect the gas. It's a safety feature so that people don't end up blowing up their homes if the gas is suddenly turned on, right? So you can smell it. But the thing you're smelling is not natural gas. Natural gas is odorless, right? And money's a lot like that. It's the marker that we use so that we can see the exchange of energy that's happening around this planet. And there is high vibrational energy that can be exchanged in the same way that there's low vibrational energy. And I think when we start to dive into some of those distinctions, our relationship with money can shift pretty easily. Oh, I love that. that I love what you said about Teresa. What did you say? She said, um, money is washed clean when you use it in yeah, service, service to others. God. Yeah, all money is washed clean in the service of God is the way Mother Teresa said it. But, you know, I love the distinction that Aristotle created in his teachings. And he talked about two different types of happiness that happen in this world. There is the hedonistic pursuit of pleasure, which is like the pleasures of the flesh, the pleasures of the moment, you know. And not invalid. I mean, certainly there's nothing wrong with hedonistic pleasures, but they can get out of hand when they become all that people pursue. And then he talked about eudonistic pleasures or eudaimonia, which is the, the more deep lasting happiness that comes from really being of service to others, really being of service to your community. And he actually wrote about and spoke about that being the far more meaningful and lasting form of happiness in a person's life. And, you know, money kind of lies in that distinction, right? Money in the pursuit of hedonistic ends can be very damaging and can become an addiction and, and not of service to you or mankind. But money put in the service of hedonistic pursuits, the, the good of the community, the good of all, can actually be one of the most powerful tools on this planet and certainly not something to shun or stop pursuing if your overall objectives are good ones. Yeah, absolutely. So what I see in my community a lot is that incredible difference makers and light workers who have amazing talents and ideas and yet they hold this thing about money and it not being holy or it, you know it's not it's not clean in some way i love i'm still going back to mother teresa washed clean in the mm. service to god but there is a there is this thought this paradigm this thought form that has been perpetuated by religion by the church and it is inside the sort of new age spiritual or change maker community that mm. in, that are in some way the pursuit of it or or having it is is not good or holy mm -hmm. and I know that um, as I said before inside my community it's an underlying current that mm -hmm. sort of flows inside the change maker community we're trying to help the world and mm -hmm. money is destroying the world so mm -hmm. it's sort of um, what so what would you say to people who are trying to pursue money and help the world, make a difference in the world, change the world, you know, help the environment, help humanity. 
what yeah. would be a better, you know, they, they're coming up against this thought form all the time. It's sort of like this hidden flow, a current of an idea that just flows through our community. What would you say to people who are trying to ruthlessly pursue money and feel like they're, you know, they're, they're of service to humanity? Well, I, the first thing is to notice your thought forms around it, right? Because if you're not even aware of them, you don't know that they're driving the bus, you yep. know? And um, because a lot of us, especially those of us raised in a Christian doctrine, have heard the misquote from the Bible that money is the root of all evil. And in fact, if you go back to the original translation of the Bible, that's not actually what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And I think what that statement really means is the love of money for money's sake can become an addiction that is destructive and, and a force for a lot of negative things to happen in this world. But that doesn't mean that money in and of itself is evil. And in, in fact, Mother Teresa was even quoted at times of saying, I love money for what it can do in service of the world, right? So I think the point that she was making was that money in and of itself is not good or evil. And so it's important to really notice what your thought patterns are around this because, you know, especially those of us who, who live and work in the holistic realm, one of the things I've really noticed with helping others and coaching and mentoring others is anything people get for free, they tend to undervalue and their breakthroughs will be that much less powerful for them. You know, when someone pays $10,000 to show up for a program, they show up yeah. and they do the work. When someone's gifted something for free, it's on their calendar. They might not even show up, let alone do the work that's necessary to actually have their breakthroughs. Now, isn't that fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you hear people talk about this all over the training and speaking industry, this, this principle and this phenomenon. But it really, what it comes down to is, Money is a means of putting value on something. And if we don't value the work we do as transformational leaders, as, as holistic coaches, as healers, then why should other people value it? And isn't that a fascinating relationship with money where our thought patterns and, um, and belief systems around money are actually getting in the way of us being a contribution to others? Exactly, exactly. And I've, I've lived that all too well. You know, you give your friends and your family fabulous advice and they just totally ignore you. Then someone comes and pays you a couple of hundred dollars, Swami's laughing, and they yeah. hang on to your every word. Yeah. <laughs> very but, true. Yeah. Now, there's something else I wanted to say uh, that was just relating to what you said. Oh, I've lost it. Hang on, I have it in my <laughs> That's okay. I want to hear what Swami has to say. Can we go over to Swami? <laughs> Let's bring Swami in. Okay. Swami, have you got anything to say? Well, there's an expression that an expert is defined as anyone who lives more than 100 miles away from your home. I love that expression. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, I, I often rephrase that to say the further you are from home, the smarter people think you are. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And that also in and of itself is a thought pattern. It stems from the inner belief of could someone like me really be that smart? So the more like me you are, in a way it's a reflection of our own negative self-talk, right? If you're a lot like me, you can't possibly be an expert. That's the lack of self-esteem the average human being has, right? 
Well, that's Groucho <laughs> Marx's line. Anyone yeah. have me as a member, I don't yeah. want to be a member of that club. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it's the same paradigm around money, right? If anyone that would give me coaching for free can't possibly be that good. It's the same thought pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had something really good to say. That still, it still eluded me. It was around, um, it was around a thought form around money that I have held, and I thought, oh, that's one that I've held. But then I've just lost it because I obviously don't hold it anymore. But as, as I was listening yeah. to your conversation, I love that. <laughs> but it was a thought form that I held dearly, as you know, as part of who. And this is the thing about thought forms is that or ideas or beliefs or paradigms that we believe when we believe our, our thoughts is they become a part of us and to let them go it's like we're shedding a part of us that we hold dear and uh, this is the work that we do as a deliberate creator because you know to identify a thought is one thing but in able to transform it or let it go or shift it even Joe Dispenza says that you have to change who you are you literally have to change who you are in order to to, to experience a different creation, to be able to experience a different creation in your life. And so when you hold a thought form, and a, a lot of people do this around money, you know, they, they grow up in certain, um, you know, money identity and they hold that. It's because I, I heard a lot of people say that, you know, if I become rich, my family won't identify with me anymore. They won't relate to me anymore if I make a lot of money because they've, they've only known poverty or working class and and you hear a lot of people that make a lot of money that say they lose their friends and family because they can't relate to them anymore so that's a big fear a lot of people have if i'm seen as rich i'm going to be seen as an evil person or, an, or a greedy person or a nasty person that's another thought form people have around money i don't want to be a nasty person or a or seen as greedy how can we address these ideas so that so people don't want to let go of their identity you know, around money and who they are? Yeah, all of those are thought forms and they're all different varieties of our relationship for money and the characteristics that we give money, right? And many of them are, you know, they can be true, but they're also often not true and, or they could be a reflection of other people's inner dialogue around money, right? And so our society has become this big enmeshed relationship with money that can get very messy that we often try and boil down into single concepts that simply aren't true. Yeah. But how do you um, suggest making them not true in people's minds? Well, I love the idea of journaling myself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the first thing you got to do is journal what your beliefs are around money you know, and go down the list. What do you believe? Do you believe that people who pursue money are arrogant? Do you people, do you believe rich people are nasty? Do you believe rich people are ingenerous? Um, you know, there could be any number of them. Spend a week or two trying to journal out all of your different thought patterns around money. It's a good idea to actually do some like deep breathing and like clearing away the busyness of your brain and then just see what starts coming up. Because as you can see them, you can even Google beliefs around money. You'll probably come up with a list if you Google it. And go down the list and see which ones could apply to you. Because the first step is in noticing them. And here's the part of this exercise I love. When you find that you have a particular thought pattern, do some journaling around how it both hinders you and how it helps you. Mm. 
because we generally hang on to our thought patterns because there's a payoff for us in some means, right? Mm -hmm. And there's also a price tag of holding on to that thought form. And when you can look at both sides of the equation, then you can start choosing when you use that thought form and when, when it will serve you and when it will hinder you. And you can actually get very intentional around when you decide to bring up a specific thought form, you know, because nothing that you ever think is 100% helpful or 100% hindrance. Everything you've created in your life is at times of benefit to you and at times harmful. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that um, people talk about a lot is they don't have time to pursue what they love because they're too busy making money. And then they can't give up the day job to be the angel reader or the, um, you know, the new world leader or, or, you know, help the environment because they've got to go to a job that is paying them good money to make, you know, to pay the bills, to support the family, to pay the mortgage, to, to pay off the car, all that sort of thing. And, you know, as I look at it, the young changemaker community who are more passionate about changing the world than making the money, their solution is to live inside moneyless communities and moneyless societies where yeah. money is not a part of their life because they are more uh, passionate about saving the planet than they are pursuing money. And this huge thought form that says, the only way you're going to make money is to have a job that you don't really love that, you know, but that you're good at or that's going to pay you a wage and that's going to pay the rent. So they, they get together in communities and they have like an exchange where they exchange mm -hmm. services and there's no money. What do you say to that idea? Well, I say actually people who've created that really understand what money is. Because money is simply a marker to represent the exchange of money. So when people create communities that still thrive and exist well without money, it simply means that they've found a really great way to still exchange energy and be highly supportive of each other without the need for the marker to keep score of it all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Evolutionary Business Council is a little bit like that, actually, because when you look at how the Evolutionary Business Council operates, you know, there's an end of our industry where you know, I'd call it the affiliate marketing end, right? Where it's like, you do this favor for me, I'll keep score, I'll pay you affiliate commission, and everything is tracked and scorekeeped. And not that, I'm not dissing that. There's not, nothing really wrong with that but it's based on detailed and, and rigorous accounting. And then you, you see the pendulum can swing in the other direction and, and you look at the dominant ethic of folks in the Evolutionary Business Council and they tend to take an approach of, let's just all help each other. Now, not that they don't still sometimes do affiliate marketing. Like, you know, there's some of them that still sometimes set up affiliate systems. It's generally more because they want to thank people who help them and offer some kind of commission for what they're doing. But there's a level of trust that comes into play when you start to enter into systems like that because people can take advantage of systems like that. They can become heavy. They can become a weight on the system. So you require a very high-functioning community that will be really forthright and honest with people in the moment in order for systems like that to work because they, they work amazingly well when it's a community of people that are all high contributors but they start to break down when there are people who think it's okay to come in and take a free ride. That's so interesting because uh, the affiliate thing has never worked for me because, uh, you know, I spend my mm. life promoting people on my show, right? 
And mm. I've, um, I've had people come to me and say, you know, readers say, you know, if you send me clients, I'm going to give you a percentage in affiliate. And they've even sent links and things. And I'm like, oh, at last, you know, I'm maybe going to get some monetary re remuneration for the way that I promote people's businesses on my show. Mm. <laughs> but never to date, I have never been paid one red cent, even yeah. with people's links. And people have come back to me and said, yeah, I had a reading from her, you know, she charged me $800 or she charged me $500 or yeah, I had a reading from her because I heard it on your show and I used your link. And you know mm. what, Teresa, I couldn't be bothered like contacting that person and mm. saying, where's my money? It just seemed like too much effort. But mm. um, I have to say inside the ABC, I felt a completely different shift around that communication, around that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah which has been really interesting. It's been new for me because there's lots of people that said, yeah, you know, I'll do an affiliate for you if you send me clients and it's never happened. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. The world of scorekeeping breaks down pretty easily, you know, and, but the reality is any world can break down easily. You know, we've had people come into the evolutionary business council that just wanted to see what they could get out of it. And somehow we made a mistake and let them in and they can be a little bit like a bull in a China shop. You know, they come and, eat all the food at the party and then leave again, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I would say there's no one system in, world, in this world that's perfect. There's only people who have higher aims that are really out to create something good in the world and there's people who are missing the boat on that. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is what are you making your life about and look at whether or not money serves that pursuit or not, and how and when money serves that pursuit. Because there are times where money can be one of the most useful tools on the planet in the pursuit of causing change and being a change agent on this planet. Yeah. Okay, I remembered that thing that I forgot. Here it is. And I, I, thought, about, I, I, I thought about a friend of mine who who I met years ago, an amazing, she had this complete life transformation. Anyway, I won't go into her story, but she came down to Sydney, an amazing light worker, healer, reader, psychic. And um, she was doing some readings and people were just loving what she was doing. And I befriended her. We're still really good friends. And she still has this idea sort of entrenched within her. And, um, she was complaining about how she didn't have enough money to survive and she didn't want to go on the doll again because, you know, she really wanted to have enough money from, and she's amazing at what she does. Amazing. Um, I really enough money to survive on her readings instead of getting a job or going on the doll. And then she was walking down the street to go to the doll office because she wasn't surviving. And someone that had met her recently who works in the corporate world, who had a reading from her bumped into her on the street and said, oh my God, you are the most amazing person I've ever met. I would like to support you. I would like to give you $20,000 to support your work. I've never seen anyone like you ever. And she said, oh no, 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 I couldn't take your money. I couldn't take your money. No, 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 no. And she refused the money, right? So she's having a conversation with me in the morning. I haven't got enough money to survive. I wish, I wish, I wish. And then she walks to the doll office. Someone offers her money. She refuses it. So it's the guilt of taking the money. Like yeah. I'm not, I, it's guilty. It's a, like a guilty feeling. And that's something that I've definitely had when I've charged people for my work. It's, I felt guilty for taking their money. Yeah. Um, 
And that's a lot of light workers. And that's, I love it that you raise that because that's a thought pattern in and of, of itself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I love the work that Swami does in helping people really see into their deepest self and their blocks. Yeah. Because, you know, when you are unwilling to receive, you're chopping the cycle of reciprocity, as Dr. Shonda Perrin would call it, right? In order to have a powerful ability to create anything in this world, you have to be open to receiving as much as you are open to giving. Otherwise, it's like always only exhaling and never inhaling. It's just not functional. I bet I'm certain Swami has more to say on that subject, so I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to unmute everybody. Ooh, and I'm going <coughs> to change the thing. And there we are. Hello, we've lost someone. Oh, Dulcie's gone. I don't know if she's managed to get the... Um, and open it up to the floor to uh, ask any questions. Swami, do you have something to say on that? And I just want to say that Swami and I do that work. That's what we do. We yeah. find those thoughtful. You know, it's the thing about being a, a teacher or a healer or a psychic or a medium, it's easy to identify the thought forms in others, but it's mm-hmm. not always easy to identify them as you because, as I said before, it becomes a part of your makeup. It becomes a part of your personality. It's who you are. And you can be proud that you're that person. I know Absolutely. so many I know so many light workers and change makers that are proud that they feel guilty about taking people's money because mm-hmm. somehow they're more holy or they're nice people or whatever. Yeah. Nail on the head. I love that you talk about that. And I think that's why the coaching you do with people is so powerful, Karen. Because so many people have that hidden thought pattern. And I, you know, I, to me, that's a given. I wouldn't even been on your show if I wasn't such a huge fan of your work. Oh, and, it, and I should be saying it out loud. You know, um, that those little subtle blocks that we don't notice are the difference between us just putzing through our day and us becoming a major powerhouse for change in this world. So, you know, I really do love the work you're doing there. Swami, have you got anything to say to that? The guilt thing. The guilt thing. Well, what's coming up for me more is a pattern of the the fact that people, there is this self-righteousness. People try to be right because they give a self-righteous. Well, but, you know, but what about the whatever, you know, and, and it's just an emotion they have has nothing to do with the situation. Like somebody said, just because self-righteousness doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> but self-righteousness is such a weapon to obscure the fact that you don't have any real evidence of what you're saying other than your opinion or, what your, or your parents' opinion or your culture's opinion or your religion's opinion. It's very embedded. It's a very difficult one to, to you can't have a conversation when somebody throws out that self-righteous well, for my kids, and it's like they shut all the doors at that point. But to your point, uh, Kyron, that these are so embedded, and I want to take that to the idea that we're in a brand new age, and I think we've all talked about this. And it's an age we're no longer going to destroy this planet. That's my experience, and I've heard other channels say this. So that means nobody has written the history that we're about to write. So that means everybody has dogmatic thoughts in their head, all of us, that we, and the only way to get out of them is to build something new. So it it levels the playing field. It's not us and them anymore. You know, you point your finger and blame, you have three fingers pointing back at you. 
if it's just a matter of degree, if somebody is abusing money, then I'm abusing a belief system I had that doesn't exist anymore. The way, the reason I did what I did up until 2012, there's no reason for that anymore. And I have to discover the new reasons. So I have to be fresh, that, that child innocence every day and look at life and look at myself. And when this happens, when my car, I was driving home yesterday and the RPM shot up to four and the battery light went on. And I said, oh, I feel like I want to cry. And then I said, well, why don't I talk to my angels and see about that? And they said, oh, do this, you know, put shift the car into neutral and it, and it fixed it. <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's a change of whatever we've been hit with in the past to, to just as best we can step back and say, let me think of a new way to, to deal with this. And it, it changes everything. It puts us all on alert to have a better life, to rewrite our lives, how we want to have it, whatever that is. Well, exactly. That's actually what we're doing today. We're, we're using this as a new way to look at it, as to, to shift those paradigms of money is destroying, the pursuit of money is destroying the world, or money is the root to all evil, or I feel guilty around having money because I'm a nice person. And um, people that, you know, grab your money and are always thinking about your money are not nice people. And I'm a nice person, therefore I'm going to give it to you for free or only charge you a little bit or, you know, that needs to shift because that doesn't support the work that we're doing. And uh, really, I just keep coming back to Mother Teresa. She's the star of this show because, you know, she, she held some ideas because she was, yeah, she was dealing with really corrupt people. Like you said, that she was taking money from drug cartels or the mafia or whatever. And she was saying money is washed clean in the service of God. Now that's an idea that helped her ruthlessly pursue money and feel like she's still a nice person and still saving the planet. You see, that's the idea she held as her truth, as her identity. And that's what we're looking for today. We're looking for new ideas to help us as um, to, to keep the identity that we're, you know, helping the world or helping the planet and that we're still nice people, even if we ruthlessly pursue money. Well, and in fact, you know, I think the days of money as a tool could be limited because there's a lot of very brilliant people on this planet inventing other ways that the exchange of energy can happen. Cryptocurrencies are a huge part of that. And, um, and they're not true money. They're just another way that we exchange energy around this planet, right? right. So... You know, what's not going away is the fact that we do exchange energy around this planet and light workers are actually one of the people in the lead showing people how to do that. Ah, isn't that interesting? And so on the one hand, your disdain for money can be very inhibiting. On the other hand, that could be actually a lever that pursues you forward to find better and more amazing ways that we exchange money on this planet. So again, even this conversation of what are those thought patterns that we have, they may not entirely be bad or entirely be good. They just are. Figure out how they serve you best would be the best approach. Well, I've, I've actually often thought about that. I've thought about the future. I can see the future quite clearly and there are different probable futures. So there's no, no future fixed in stone. But I've seen a future where money is not a part of it, absolutely. 
And I think a lot of the, um, especially those young people that get inside, you know, they live inside community, inside exchange community, they, they're basically living that future. So that is a future that's um, definitely hitting our planet where the exchange of energy, as you call it, is shifting from a paper currency to a different currency. It's still an exchange of energy, but it's shifting form. It's shifting form. But at the moment, the form that we are using is this paper currency. So not to make that form of the exchange of energy wrapped up in guilt or good or bad, but to really, to really see it as an, as an exchange of energy. And I think that a lot of people find that difficult to do because they've got so much attached to what it is to just mm. see that as energy. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Has anyone got anything to say? Maria, Maria, Kristen, uh, Kristen. Um, Go ahead, Maria. Oh, thank you. If I could ask Teresa a question, because I know um, that this is a thought form or a blocking thought form for me that just long story short, before my husband and I separated, we'd invested some money with a financial advisor. Anyway, long story short, he um, embezzled like $11 million and, you know, wow. took all this money from these families. And, you know, we weren't wealthy by any means, but we had given money over that we were investing. Anyway, so we blocked, you know, say $400,000. And that was mm -hmm. a huge hit, obviously. And so, you know, everything went downhill from then. So, for me, money's had a real sort of emotional sort of charge around it. And I've always, mm -hmm. even in my own work, like, you know, I've had people say, well, why don't you really get out there and do your stuff? And again, it's like this money thing has put something in, like I've done so many free sessions, it's not funny, to the mm -hmm. point where, like you said, I'm breathing out and not breathing mm -hmm. in so much. And I know that, mm -hmm. that can't keep going, but just what someone was willing to do for money has just put this thing of, Oh, you, I don't know. It's just given me stuff around money. Mm, yeah. And, 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 I pro, and it's probably not done me any good. You know, people send you stuff and they talk about, I don't know, the Illuminati and the elite mm. and, the, you know, and all this mm. money stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm. Like, yeah, it's really, mm, that's interesting. So that's what I was saying before. There's this current, this current that underlies our community which talks about the evil of the Illuminati, of the rich, of the people that are, you know, the scientists are being killed because they're developing technologies that big business doesn't want to take, you know, develop because they make too much money. And so they kill these scientists. Like that's the, that's the underlying current that we kind of get swept up in. But please, Teresa. Well, and I, you know, don't get me wrong. That stuff does exist out there. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but the question is how much do you engage with it? Oh. Right. And so like, what did you make it mean when you lost $400,000? What meaning did you ascribe to that? Well, it was just all like, it just, mm. it changed. It, it was it, devastating. Yeah. yeah. And what did you tell yourself to make sense of that? Um, that, we shouldn't have trusted him. Mm -hmm. And um, we had to sell everything. You know, just yeah. all stuff happened, and and my ex got very angry. 
and mm. just a lot of stuff happened. Like it was really damaging. So money, oh, I bet. The, the, the pursuit of money, because this guy was pursuing money. It was mm-hmm. damaging other people. We were yeah. one of hundred families that got hit. Yeah. So yeah, it sort of yeah, it kind of frightened mm. me around the pursuit of money. I mean, yeah. God, not you know you'd ever do that, but it, it just made it feel like. I don't know, maybe not trust people. I was very trusting. Yeah, Yeah, go back to the trust word because there's a lot of energy in that word for you, right? Yeah. So this incident became or it took on a meaning for you around trust. What did it mean around trust? Well, I was was very trusting before. Like I trusted everyone and Mm -hmm. it made me think that I trusted too much. Mm. I trusted too much because who does that? Like I just yeah. kind of thought, I don't know, I, I just couldn't imagine anyone doing that. Yeah. Like do that, you know, not only to us but to other people. Mm. And, um, yeah, no, I suppose it, it, I don't know, made me feel naive. I'm going to say something and I want you to just tell me if this is true or not as a belief that you may have held on to. You can't trust people who pursue money. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's a bit of a belief or has become a belief. And so then if I pursue money, and then I'm like him. You yeah. Know, I'm totally you get not. that? Yeah. And you will never become what you despise. Absolutely. No, oh, no. So if you've got a thought pattern around despising people who pursue money, you will never become that. Yeah. Well, you get what I'm saying? I didn't think I looked at everyone like that. I looked at that particular person. Yeah. Just take on that as a possibility. It might not be that. And, and, you know, if we had more time, we could dive really deep into this. Okay, yeah. But, but what else might be there? What other beliefs did that create in you? That people are willing to do really bad things for money. Yeah. That, yeah, that people are really willing to do really bad things. Yeah, people do really bad things in the pursuit of money. Yeah, they're yeah. willing to take from other people yeah. um, for their own means. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy ended up going to jail. but like, What beliefs did it create about you, Maria? What did you believe about yourself when that happened? Um, again, like that I should have seen, I should have seen that he was a crook. Mm. I didn't see that. I should have known better. I should have known better. I'm a poor judge of character. Something in that realm. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. There's probably a whole grab bag of, and you know, there's some that will be juicier than others for you, but I'm I'm guessing that there's some in the realm of, boy, am I ever stupid around money. Yeah, probably. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And if people who pursue money can't be trusted and you're stupid around money, what does that do to your ability to attract money regardless of the outcome you're putting it to? 
or it hinders it a hell of a lot. <laughs> mm. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, I've swung the pendulum probably too far yeah. in the sense that What's the earliest memory you have, Maria, around being stupid around money? And I'm using that word intentionally, not because I think you are, but because I think you have that belief. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So what's the earliest memories you have around, I make bad decisions around money, or I might be stupid around money? I, don't, I, I can't really recall of feeling that way because I never had an issue with money before that. Let's go to the other one. Has there been earlier scenarios in your life where you ran into you can't trust people who pursue money? No. No. no so this was the first. So this was a big one. Yeah. I was and it right. really turned your world upside down. So yeah, that's was, good to know. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't anything. I was raised by a, yeah. a very entrepreneurial mom. She raised me and um yeah. yeah i mean she did say oh money doesn't grow on trees and you know stuff like that but yeah no, like, this this was like the biggest thing before that i was very yeah like my trust was something that was just there because i just I don't yeah know, thought the world i want to i know yeah, that Kristen, Kristen's gonna go um oh, where is she because i wanted she wanted to ask a question of course yeah uh, so we might wait until yeah, let's come back to Maria. Let's go to Kristen and Maria. Can we come back to you? Yeah, of course. Okay. Kristen, did you have a question? She's muted. Hi. Okay. I've unmuted myself and, um, you know, I didn't want to step on what you guys were doing with Maria cause that's amazing cause it's got me thinking, but, um, I just want to go back to, in my where I live um, and in my religious community that I've been a part of most of my life um, and just generally where I live in America it seems that success is so marked by money and how much you have and how much you can show you have and it's just such a it's not something that I necessarily hold to but I see a lot of people do that mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just a very interesting, oh, you know, but at the same time, in the same religious community, people do think, you know, money is the root of all evil and people that have money and it, it just, it gets so muddled and it's so difficult to, um, you know, break those thought forms. So I'm really going to do what you said and journal just mm -hmm. how I feel about money and really find where it serves and also um, doesn't serve me, you know, those thought forms. So I'm just very happy for this um, meeting well, today. Kristen, to take on that they're not wrong. Like money is a measure of success. Yes. It's just not the total measure of success and it may not be a particularly important one in many cases, but they're not right. wrong that it's a measure of success, right? So. You know, it's just how much importance do you want to give that in your life that other people think that way? Right. You yeah, I don't. Part. You get yes. to choose. Yes, you know? definitely, definitely. And Very you wise. also get to choose how you feel about the fact that they've chosen to make that highly important. <laughs> you get that? In other words, you can choose to be self-righteous about that. 
which is in itself a, a mind trap and a mind virus in and of itself that people who think different than me are wrong and I get to somehow be arrogant and right about that. Agreed. Right? Yeah. And I know I'm just telling you stuff you already know. I'm just saying it out loud because <laughs> it needs to be said out it's, loud. It's a, always a good reminder. Always a good reminder. So, you know, because I get, it's easy to get caught back up into what's going on around me all the time. Yeah and go wait a minute I know better than this or you know I used to do better and you know my my life's pretty busy and pretty crazy hence I have to you know just put you guys on sound for a little while and run somewhere <laughs> yeah. and you know it's easy to forget the the things that I already know like you just said so yeah. but I'm, I am I'm excited to take what I learned from this because um I'm about to get some training in Reiki, and I've never done anything like that before. Beautiful. Yeah. And, um, you know, the woman who's going to train me is like, as soon as you're done with this, you'll get a certificate and you can start charging people. And I went, oh my gosh, I don't know that I could do that. But what value do I place on whether I can charge? What value do I place on myself as a facilitator? You know, and what value do the people place on what they get from coming to see me? You know, mm. so I'm excited to shift my paradigm around money a bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting that we um, put place so much value on money. We place the value on the money and not on the service. That's where the value is getting a bit. It's like, what's more important, my service or the money I'm charging? Because I think that the service is where the value is and not the, ex the money exchange. And um, it's like we're taking something of value away from someone by taking their money. But we don't see that we're actually giving something that's worth so much more value than the money we're taking from them. But, so that's, that's where healers get a bit skewy. And I want to address something while Kristen's running around. I'm just going to, oh, she's muted herself. Um, I wanted to address something that I thought of when Maria was speaking. Uh, you know, I've seen so many families explode and implode because of a money situation like Maria. Right? So um, I'm thinking about my ex-husband's last partner who actually died at 49 of cancer. And she was happily married to this gorgeous man before she met my ex-husband. And then he lost a lot of money in a business deal and their family just exploded and he became super depressed and super angry and impossible to live with. And she lived with this man for about 10 years and he was just suffering this terrible depression and it was all over a business deal. He just lost all his money, but he'd, he'd grown up wealthy. He'd grown up as the apple of his parents' eye. He was successful. He was handsome. He was, his self-worth was wrapped up inside money. And when the money disappeared, he was no longer, in his eyes, he was no longer a worthy person. And this, just their family exploded. And it happens in a lot of families around money. And, you know, the idea that we need money in order to feel good or in order to be successful is also false. I think what most people are looking for when they're looking for the money is the cessation of the worry about the money. It's like the worry about having money or not having money is the, 
is the energy that's destroying them, not the money itself, but the worry about the money. Money becomes enmeshed with so many other conversations that you can no longer unbundle it. And I know you're nodding, Maria, because you know what we're talking about. I know you know, right? The money got enmeshed with marriage breakdown, stress, depression, how could I be so stupid, all of that stuff. And, you know, I know you're someone who does powerful forgiveness work because you wouldn't be this self-confident and powerful if you weren't. You get that? And you still have some forgiveness work to do around forgiving yourself. Because that's the biggest conversation you need to have here. Can I give you an exercise to do, Marie? Yeah. Okay, sit with me for a minute. I want you to just close your eyes. Take a really deep breath. Now I want you to imagine yourself 50 years in the future. I want you to step into an older, wiser, sexier, awesomer version of yourself. She's freaking amazing. This is Maria 2.0. Cause she's got the wisdom of her whole life. She's living vibrantly. She's deeply spiritually connected and she's totally cleaned up her energy around relationships and money and self-deprecation. Can you just feel her here right now? And with her voice, I want you to see through her eyes a current age version of yourself sitting on a park bench next to your inner elder. So current age. And through your inner elder's eyes, I want her to turn to you and say what needs to be said. So what would she say to you right now about this whole circumstance? and forgiving yourself, and forgiving everyone else involved, what would she say to you? She would say it wasn't my fault. Yeah. What else would she say? Uh, she, yeah, she'd just say it wasn't my fault, and um, yeah. that... You're not wrong to trust people. Um, yeah. In fact, it's your gift. Mm. And what would she say about the kick-ass, awesome entrepreneur that you are, that you could actually earn $400,000 and have that amount of saving? What would she say about that to you? What would she say to me about that? Yeah, what would your inner elder say to you about all of that? That you're the kind of person that could achieve that. What would she say that about, to you about that? She would say that with my integrity and who I am, that yes, it's possible to make that and more. Mm from a place of integrity and service and wisdom. I'm also willing to bet that she's crazy proud of you. 
Can you feel that? Yeah. Now I want you to feel your inner elder just taking you in an embrace and saying, it's okay, honey. I got this one, Maria. You can rely on me whenever you need because I'm a part of you. And I want you to breathe that all in as you feel her energy merge with your present day energy. I want you to just absorb that so that you can feel it at a cellular level, that she's just completely infused with every cell in your body, that you have her wisdom, the wisdom of years, the wisdom of looking back as an integral part of who you are right now. Can you feel that? Now take a deep breath and open your eyes and come back to the present moment. Yeah. Now, with that lens, can you forgive yourself? Yes. Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, I want you to say it out loud. I forgive me. I forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the biggest forgiveness journey you've got. You get that? Because, honey, you are a, a part, I'm going to swear, you are a kick-ass powerhouse. Anyone who looks at you can see it in the first two seconds. You get that, right? You wouldn't have become who you were. And someone who's not a very nice person took advantage of the fact that you're this amazing, loving person. And that often happens to light workers because we're, you know, we're creating this vision of a world with, where boundaries aren't needing to be quite so rigid and firm and, and wolves can come into that environment and they become like a wolf in the sheep's pen, yeah. you know? And so as light workers, we need to learn how do we create the world we want to create and still have really strong boundaries. And this was just a part of that journey for you that makes you stronger and more awesome. And it doesn't mean that you can't move forward powerfully. It doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that you can't gain back millions of dollars in the pursuit of the change agent that you are on this planet. You get that? Yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, when you said about the, the, the stupid thing around money, when this happened, there's a, there's a paper here called the Financial Review, and they mm. wanted to interview some of the victims. And a lot of the victims were too ashamed or whatever to be interviewed. And I thought, well, I'll be interviewed because if this stops mm. it happening for another person, I'm happy mm. to do Because, again, they said a lot of people don't want to admit that this happened to them. I was mm. happy to admit that it had happened. Yeah. It stopped it happening to another person. So, um, yeah, so that was a big test too. And I yeah. thought, Look how courageous you were in that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, and honey, we've all had stupid things happen to us financially. Yeah. Right? I, I had a point in my life where not only did I go into a stupid investment scheme, but I recommended it to a dozen or more people I love. Yeah. You know, I know you know the pain of something like that. Right? So not only was I taken advantage of, but people I love were. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it has, and, yeah. and it has affected my children and everything. But yes, I want to move yeah. forward. I want to move forward from this. And yeah. Myself. Yeah. Because you not forgiving yourself 
does not serve the world. You get that? It doesn't serve your family. Yeah. It doesn't serve the world. Can, can I pipe up and say something here? Yeah, please do. Yeah, I didn't want it to be a therapy session. No, I wanted no, to No, but that's an important teaching point, right? It's an important teaching point. It's not just for you. It's everyone that's watching this. It's, it's not mm -hmm. just the people that are watching this online. It's everyone that's watching this can relate to this. But you not forgiving yourself not only doesn't serve yourself or, or, or serve the world, you're not forgiving your ex-husband and you're not forgiving the guy that ripped you off also doesn't serve you or serve the world. Because holding resentment or hatred for anyone, no matter mm -hmm. how much the villain, yeah. only affects your ability to receive, to receive love, to receive mm -hmm. abundance, to receive whatever it is that, you know, to give and receive, it only blocks you. Yeah, holding that's back such a powerful point, Karen. Holding yeah, back yeah. the flow of love, you know, it's like a, um, unforgiveness unforgiv is like a wall holding back the flow of love. Yeah. So yeah. if you could see the villain, the guy that's in jail, and thank him, like appreciate him and forgive him and say, wow, you gave me a powerful lesson. You, you know, like I... If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have looked deeper inside myself. I wouldn't have done much of what I've done. I wouldn't pursued alternative ways of thinking, you know, like, wow, I forgive you and I thank you. And that, that releases the hold of any, any block that you've had around him or the money or the situation or the scenario. It just, just unchains the doors of the jail that you've been in. Yeah, and absolutely forgiving the ex-husband too because he was just as stupid as you right believing that this guy and we point the blame when we don't want to blame ourselves we point the blame at the ones we love the most at the time which is usually the husband or the partner and say you're how could you be so stupid yeah no no i took full responsibility for this one did you someone i knew and okay there was nothing about my ex-husband to forgive you know i, I felt deep compassion for both of us right. but it just you know it just unraveled stuff that was already happening do you know what yeah. i mean so mm -hmm. i have no problem with my ex-husband but yeah you're right i mean the guy i still felt a bit but you're right i mean i have to release that as well but now, even with that the biggest one you know um Therese is absolutely right is me yeah you know, and I know you know this, Maria. I love the point that Karen just made because it, it, it was important to say in this circumstance, even though I can tell in your energy that wasn't what it is, but it was important to say. So thank you for raising that, Karen. The other thing that's important to say is as light workers, we often confuse forgiveness with boundaries or condoning an act, right? And forgiving someone doesn't mean that you condone what they did, and it doesn't mean that you don't have strong boundaries against them in the future. It does not mean that. And I know you know this. It just needs to be said right now, right? And that's, you know, that forgiving yourself doesn't mean that you're going to repeat the action. Forgiving someone who hurts you doesn't mean you're going to let them hurt you again. In fact, you might, the most loving thing you can do for everyone might be to simply walk away, right? And I know I'm preaching to the converted here, but I really think that bears saying right now, especially for this, some of the folks um, listening, I can tell you've done your work, Maria, um, which is why I'm having a more black belt level conversation with you, right? 
and and at the same time there's i know there's folks watching that need to hear that message right now and so it's same same uh with following karen's intuition that she knew there was folks that need to hear that message about forgiving others too and so needed it needed to be said absolutely you know yeah but just one quick question to everyone here mm -hmm. then i don't want to move forward or walk forward like paranoid or, or whatever because again yeah. I love the trusting person that I, I still am. Mm -hmm. but, and I don't want to have the paranoia, but I suppose, like I said, you know, when those things come up about this and that and, you know, I kind of, mm. oh, you know. So, yeah, could you speak just briefly about that? Because I'm sure there are people out there that have been through things. And, yeah, a little bit of paranoia sets in. Again, I prefer discernment. Mm -hmm. I like to be discerning. But sometimes I know it can slightly, you know, I don't want to be shut off from things either, though. Because I'm this is an area of Karen's brilliance. So I'm going to let Karen answer this one because okay. I love how brilliant she is in this regard. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Go, Karen. <laughs> you know, what I'm thinking is that we get, as deliberate creators of our reality, we get to, we get to uh, write the rules. We get to write the rules. And when it comes to trust, I remember I had a man in my house years ago and he said to me, you know, every idea I have makes me money. He said, that's, that's just a rule I wrote. That's just an idea that I believe in. Every idea I have makes me money. And I thought, wow, that is, and that's what he believed and that's what he lived. And he was a change maker and a difference maker and he had these amazing, he was a scientist. He had this amazing technology and websites and he was helping people. He was making shitloads of money. And, um, while I was still working on my money blocks, right? But we get to write the rules. So, uh, you know, you can write the rule about how you are, tr are trusting an open person and the universe only brings you people in integrity and that you'll absolutely know when you're in front of someone that's not and that you can trust your guidance system, you can trust your emotion, you can trust yourself. You get to write that rule. I can trust myself in knowing Who's an integrity, who's not? That's actually one of my rules, right? That's one, of my, that's one that I've written for myself. I can trust that because I've had a lot of people like you, you know, like I've told you about those affiliate programs, like I had a lot of um, people that weren't in integrity in my life. So I got to examine what I believed and then I got to rewrite my rule. I got to rewrite it. And then I, I started affirming it and sort of, making that a part of my belief system so belief systems can serve us or hinder us they're just they're kind of like money they're just beliefs and then we choose what we believe or we don't believe and it either helps us or it doesn't ultimately all of it helps us because the contrast in life the dramas the problems that we live they um they help us grow they help us evolve so we wouldn't want to have like a feathered nest, you know, because life being too cushy and too easy is, is, um, is not an examined life and an unexamined life is not an evolving life. So, uh, yeah, just rewrite the rules. I, I only attract people that are in integrity. I'm an open and trusting person and I trust that I'll know the difference. Anything to what, say? What she said. <laughs> Swami, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Let me unmute you. Oh, 
Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, sorry. I was just beautiful listening to what both of you were, were saying. It was just, this is like, wow, we're getting a real session here. <laughs> it's a workshop. Right? <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, things I think of, there's a saying that if you uh, spit acid at people, you hurt yourself more than them in, in the context of forgiveness. So anything, uh, anything we've been talking about, the us and them concept, there's some acid in our heart if there's a duality. And, you know, oh, those people, whatever, you know, whether it's money or anything, it's our heart that we have to protect. And so we have to, you know, if we consider any negative thing is an acid in our own heart. So we have to let it out for us. And as Teresa said, at the same time, we set up some boundaries. So we don't judge people, you're not bad, but this is where, you know, this is my aura. So that's a part of my body. So don't be stepping on my aura. You know, you may not see it. So you're not a bad person. Um, another thing that that makes me think of is you start to when you start to meet people who you used to label as, you know, whatever the, the rich people. Well, when I started meeting rich people, I almost always saw somebody really nice, somebody caring, or at least they thought so in their heads. And I couldn't say, "Oh, look, there's a monster." I could never, honestly, never. I've seen people who are thoughtless, even though they thought they were thoughtful, but never, and, and there are people, they have them on audio tape, they played on the news where they were laughing at who they scam. But I've never met those people, and I'm sure they're few and far between. And I think everybody's doing their best for the most part. And um, Lord knows... I could I could find a lot of things in me, you know, anytime I wanted. If I was going to, you know, glass house, what's that expression? People who live in a glass house should throw stones. And all behavior makes sense from the perspective of the person who's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a really important principle. Just the last thing I'd say is when I think about one of the, the, the most tragic things in my life, which was the loss of my parents when I was 18, there was something really amazing that came out of that tragedy, which was I had the opportunity to delve 100% into my spiritual realm, into my spiritual life. So I would ask yourself, if you were interested, what something of equal good or better came out of that experience when this guy um, hoodwinked you? Mm. And that's a pretty interesting conversation to have mm. with yourself. Absolutely. And I actually lost my parents very, very young. So mm. I've been asking my que that question literally my whole life. And right. I see the gift in that, you know, losing both by the time I was three. Wow. So, you know, mm. I, I definitely hear you on that absolutely. Um, and yes, there were the gifts that came from the loss, definitely. But I really, and when Karen was talking, I also had something around, yet. Yeah, not only is the forgiveness, trusting myself again. Mm -hmm. So that was, yeah, an important piece. And you'll never, as far as you push yourself into the pursuit of money, guaranteed you won't even hit the reds of the yellow zone, let alone the red zone of hurting people for money. No, mm -hmm. oh, God, no. Yeah, and I never had a problem with rich people, but other than that, I did. We get to see what we believe is true. And, you know, when we believe that 
people ruthlessly pursue money and they destroy the world. We get to meet and see them all around us. Do you know what I mean? We see them on the news or we meet them or we hear about them in stories because what we focus on, we attract. So I want to get back to Teresa's mother, Teresa. <laughs> Namesake. And I want to focus on seeing people ruthlessly pursuing money that are saving our world because mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've met or seen a mother Teresa type like that. So as we focus on that personality and that person, then life is going to introduce those people to us. Do you know what I mean? It, people are going to start talking about them. Oh, you know, I know this person. And, I, and so we can see how ruthlessly pursuing money can be a really good thing. And, and the people that do it can be really beautiful, amazing light workers that are making a huge impact in our world. So it's just anchoring that idea inside us instead of anchoring the idea that the people that ruthlessly pursue money are destroying the world. There are people that ruthlessly pursue money that are really saving the world and, and washing clean. I mean, even the fact that she said that she was washing, washing clean the money is perpetuating an idea that money is somehow dirty. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and washing clean the idea that we think money is dirty in some way, mm -hmm. that money is just an exchange of energy and anchoring, it's, as Teresa says, what did you call it? A stamp, a signal? I love the gas analogy, getting back to the gas it, analogy. It's a marker. It's a marker in the gas. It's, it's what shows us the flow of energy around the planet, you know? When I start to have my own limiting beliefs come up, one of my favorite things to do is go Google the pledge and read about the pledge on Wikipedia. Are you guys familiar with the pledge? No. It was created by Warren Buffett, actually, who's one of the wealthiest people on the planet. And he challenged other billionaires to donate more than half of their worldly goods to not-for-profit and charitable aims. And, um, and when you see the list of people whose names are on it, it includes people like Bill and Melinda Gates. I think they're number three, and number two and number three. Number four is Ray Dalio, who owns Bridgewater, one of the biggest investment firms in the world. Ray Dalio is number four on the pledge, right behind the Gates and Warren Buffett, right? These, you know, and you want to tell me Ray Dalio didn't pursue money? He pursues money like you wouldn't believe. And he'll go on the news and talk about the benefits of meditating in an economic form. You know, watch a few interviews of Ray Dalio and you will see what I consider to be an enlightened billionaire. In fact, Ray Dalio, a couple years ago, when the economic crisis was at its maximum, put out a video called, I think the name of it was, uh, How the Economic Engine Works in 30 Minutes or Less. And it, and it was just um, a little video himself narrating that's about 30 minutes long explaining how the economy works and why what the central bank was doing right now wasn't going to be the doomsday uh, Armageddon thing that some people were calling it. And he used a term called a beautiful de-escalation. He basically said that, look, we're in trouble as economy. The central bank needs to de-escalate things but they're doing it in a controlled manner. So I'm going to call it a beautiful de-escalation. Everybody take a deep breath. It's not that bad. That was the gist of the video. 
Now, he didn't have to do that video. I'm sure it cost seven or $8,000 for an animator and probably several hours of his time to figure out what he wanted to say and narrate the whole thing. But the impact of that video, it went viral. It was one of the top videos um, on the internet for a few weeks. Was it calmed down the panic and the fear? And I really do believe that as someone who meditates, as a, I would say he's one of the enlightened billionaires on this planet, Ray Dalio saw an opportunity to calm fear and move people back into the let's all focus on what we want to create, not what we're terrified of. And so for him, spending a few thousand dollars, you know, for a small team to create a video that would calm that fear was actually just a service to humanity. Now, did he also benefit? Probably because his own investors did not panic during the de-escalation and Bridgewater retained its investment base, probably more so than other uh, investments because Ray Dalio himself put out the video. It's worth that half hour of your time to go watch that video sometime because it actually talks about money and how money works and, and that it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just the economy is based on the exchange of goods. That's essentially the economy is made up of a bunch of transactions. And so in a way, that's another example of you know, enlightened billionaires on this planet saying, I'm going to make my life about being a force for change. Look at the work Bill and Melinda Gates have done in starting the Gates Foundation. In fact, when he started the pledge, Warren Buffett gave all his money to the Gates. He thought their foundation was doing such good work. So all the money Warren Buffett pledged went to Bill and Melinda Gates. So, you know, there are a lot of examples out there, if you're willing to look for them, of people who've been highly successful in pursuing money that are putting that money to very good aims in terms of actually really creating a difference and an impact on this planet. I could also throw in um, Lynn Twist. She wrote oh, a book man. called Soul of Money. Soul of Money, beautiful book. And she writes in her book how she, her role model was Mother Teresa and she visited her. She stands up in front of very wealthy people in San Francisco and unabashedly asks them to give money to help the people in South America, the Pachamama Alliance, to help the people of the rain, Amazon rainforest. And she's a person who's had a lot of money and done really beautiful things with it. I think she started with the Hunger Project. And that's a book that, it's the only book I ever read about money up to, up to that point that was, it made me proud to think about using how to use money. So well, this is a personal. Beautiful book, yeah. So Lynn Twist, if you want to, there's one more person you can, we're starting to look at this now and now all these people are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that money represents in most people's lives is survival. You know, if I don't have money, then I can't survive. And again, that's a false idea. So, you know, they pursue money um, because they need to survive and they need to um, have their children survive and all that sort of thing. But then that plays into that worry about money. If, um, if we get anything out of this, it's to let go of the worry about money, the worry of making it, the worry of not having it. But I think the worry of not having it is the worry that we can't survive. And that's the idea that a lot of people believe that stops them from doing the things they would love to do to help humanity because they need to survive. 
And it plays into this trust, getting back to Maria and trust. And for me, because I looked into this deeply, because this was very much my life, having a relationship with my inner being or my higher self or my God presence or my spiritual guides or my angels or whatever you want to call that aspect of you that you believe influences you, this unseen aspect, it also supports you abundantly. There's a great book by Catherine uh, Ponder and another book by, you know, the infinite, the infinite supply is God. The infinite supply is God. What's the name of that author? I'll, 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 come, I'll come in a moment. And she has a whole lot of um, affirmations around money and spirituality and God. And she even talks about, you know, using God like your ATM machine. When you, when you perpetuate or buy into the energy of that connection to the divine or to God, you, it's like an ATM machine putting your card in and getting that your supply. My infinite supply is, you know, the universe or God or my source. And having that relationship with your source as your infinite supply. And I had a conversation with Marina Jacoby. You know, she said something that a lot of change makers have thought. If we had millions of dollars, if only we had millions of dollars, we could do so much with all that money. I would be a philanthropist and I would give all my money to charity and help the sick and help the poor and help the environment. You know, this like, if only I had lots of money. And she said that her guide said to her, you are a fanatic philanthropist you're an energy philanthropist you know what you give out with your energy is just like what you give out with your money because your energy is your supply that infinite supplies and so getting back to money is an energy it's a stamp on an energy so we can be energy philanthropists we can give and give and give and not worry about surviving and not worry about money and that giving creates this flow of give and receive, this abundant flow. The more abundantly we give, the more abundantly we receive. And that happens with love and money and opportunities and meeting incredible people like everyone on this call. <laughs> and that, that's, that's the So game. Karen, I have to apologize and be very, go. really vulnerable here because I think I screwed up. I only had this call on my calendar for an hour and I have I know, another we've been going right for an now. hour and a half. Um, so I'm so sorry that I, uh, I do need to duck out here to be in integrity with my other commitment. But sure. um, no problem. Just I know, enjoy to to be it. here with you. Thank you for having me. Try to keep it under an hour, but they always run over. But thank you for being yeah. with us again. Thank you, Teresa. It was just my joy to meet you all. And thank you so much for having me on, Karen. I'm so sorry that I have to dash. <laughs> I no problem. Booked into the evening here. So you have an amazing day, everyone. It's just been a joy meeting you all. All right, Teresa. Great to see you. Okay. okay. Take care. Okay. Now, Cecil's there. Yes. Did you have what anything to say? Did you want to say? Let me just unmute everybody. Unmute all. And Trish, did you want to say anything? Okay, I don't know if she's listening. And we've lost Dulcie. She's gone. Cecil. Yeah, I'm sorry to to come in late, but we changed uh, the the time to to winter time, and I didn't uh, realize that you might not. <laughs> But uh, what you were saying now, I have had quite an interesting 
journey the last half of the year. And um, because my clients was getting well and I, no one knew came in. So my business kind of went down. And I thought, how do I survive? And I had a lot of ideas how to, to get new clients, to get out, to get published. Nothing happened. And um, the last two months, I've been every day listening to the Marina Jacobis um, teaching. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was thinking, I had this urge to, to start doing uh, the, the donation. So I thought I could do some of my business as donation and as a therapist role as normal. But suddenly when Tom called, uh, was calling me, new clients, asking me the price, I couldn't say any price. So I started to say, okay, I do it by donation, okay. <laughs> and uh, last month, I have so many new clients coming in because I stopped worrying. I was thinking, I want to do this work that I'm doing. I love my work. I have a, they get a lot of the, 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 the time with me. And I said, okay, I, try, I will try. And now, and now everything is exploding. Let, let me ask you, um, when you ask people for donation, because I've had this conversation with someone recently about that, and they said, yeah, that doesn't work for me because, was it with you, Swami? Or maybe it was with someone. Yeah, it, it was with me, uh, Did you say sure. it doesn't work because... Um, Some because of the people, people, they got very angry with me, and they said, just tell me the price. Yeah. It, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So when you ask people by donation, do people insist to know how much they want to pay you? Like, or, or are they happy just to pay you what they will? They ask me, donation, how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, um, you can pay me what you feel is the right price for you if you want to give me something. What you, you feel is worth. And what you have uh, ability to, to pay. And they look at me and say, oh, that's nice. Wow. They get surprised, but happy. And they do give. And so have people been paying you enough to, um, you know, enough? Uh, not as much as I have uh, been charging before. Mm -hmm. But I'm just in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the last month, so yeah. I will see how it goes. You know, I would, I would, I would reword it. I wouldn't actually say to people, "Charge me what you can afford," because I remember when I was running the Academy of Light, there was this little boy, young man that used to come, and one day he said it was ten dollars to come. Right? He said, "Oh." Cara, can I pay less because I don't have $10? And as a teacher of deliberate creation, I said, really, you don't have $10? You can't manifest $10? No, I just can't afford it. Can I play less? And I said, well, remember what you, 
what you say you have is what you create. So if mm. you feel poor, you'll be creating you don't have enough. And if you feel abundant, you're creating that you have more than enough to do all the things that you want to do. And he just pondered this thought. He just thought about it. And he was like, okay, okay. And he gave me his $2 or whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, he came to one of our, because we had, we had a Monday night session every Monday night. He came and I said, I can't remember his name now. It was too many years ago. Let's call him Clyde. I said, hello, Clyde. How are you today? Uh, what would you like to pay today? He said, I would like to pay $20. <laughs> <laughs> I said, why are you paying $20? He said, because I am rich. And he was just buying into his abundance. You know, he was like, he was, he was owning his abundance. Not I'm going to pay you the price, like you're charging $10. I'm going to pay you more than the price because I'm feeling rich. I'm feeling rich. And it's that feeling. It's that feeling that we're all looking for inside money. It's not the money. It's the feeling. It's the feeling of not worrying about money. It's the feeling of not needing that we have to survive. It's the feeling of feeling supported, feeling abundant, feeling generous. It's that feeling that we're looking for. Everyone thinks it's the money that we're looking for, but it's the feeling. And so, you know, what I say to my clients too is they say, I can't afford you, I can't afford you. I say sometimes, sometimes you can't afford not to because when you learn about your powers of creation not only will you let go of i can't afford it you'll let go of the feeling that comes with that which is a feeling of disempowerment a feeling of not worthy enough and not enough and not enough and it just beats you down and it's that feeling of empowered generous abundant supported loved that's what we're all looking for with everything yeah. that we're speaking you have a suggestion how I can word it to the, the clients coming yeah, in? Yeah, I would say that rather than saying what you can afford, because remember I said before, it's not the money that is wor that's, wor that's the value. It's the, mm. it's the work that's value. So it's your yeah. work. It's say, pay me what you think the work is valued, not what you can afford. And, you know, and then teach people about their value. So when people feel like they're valued, then they're going to value you for teaching them about their value. And then they're going to feel empowered and generous and then value what you've taught them. And so they hold this piece of paper in their hand that they value. So they're going to mm. give what they, you know, they value unless they're really still buying into, I can't afford it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yes. Thank you, <laughs> because I've been struggling in how to word it. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, but teach them about their value, yes. and teach them about their abundance. And, and yeah, so that's what we're all doing here. You know, we're all teaching people about their value, and uh, yeah, and then they value you. Yeah, yeah. But really, feeling valued too. Uh, I know the richest people are the people that feel like their worth, their work is of huge value so when they really feel that value that they're giving the world they really really buy into that they really meditate on that they know that what they're giving is of huge value just having owning that is enough to attract to attract more money just owning that value in yourself like i'm kristen was saying about the reiki people that do a course you know they could they could be the best Reiki practitioner in the world after one course. They could be good at it even before they do the course. 
but because they've got an idea in their head that um, they're new at it, uh, I haven't done this for very long, you know, they devalue themselves. You know, I'm just a student. You know, you go to the hairdresser, you get your hair cut by the students, you pay them $10 instead of $150 or $300 because they're just students. So we're devaluing ourselves. So it's really holding that value for ourselves that attracts, that attracts the you're making that you're writing those rules. Remember I said we get to write the rules and what you believe about yourself, people believe about you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I know I do a damn good job. <laughs> that's right. I do a damn good job. I'm really good at what I do. I give good value. Sasha, anything to say up there before we close? Mm, no, not really. Um, I just have uh it's like reality and the way I think things should be are in constant conflicts and I don't know the way out of that. So I'm just kind of listening to everything. What does that so, mean? Can you give me an example of what you mean by what reality and um, your dream? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, I went to uh, this one uh, class with this angel lady and uh, she kept going on and on about how lucky we were to be there because a session with her was like $250 an hour, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, after the class, um, I was just kind of wandering around and I was thinking that's not how things should be that, like I could just see a world where people just shared their gifts because it was the right thing to do. And I don't know, it's like I pulled this, um, like oh, it's kind of like a fairyland <laughs> where people just do the right thing all the time and they care about each other and you know you share things that help people but the but then I started thinking well she's got to survive she's got to live so how does she do that and it's it's like there's no easy road between helping and living and I don't, I don't know it's just so good <laughs> i say something Swami because this is huge the the thought that if you charge people you don't care that if like if you charge me money you don't care about me you see that's a identity we've put on money that if you gave it to me for free you would love me more you would be nice to me you would be kind to me but if you charge me then you don't care about me or you don't if you're charging people then you don't care about people that's a thought form that we put on money. Anything to say to that, yeah. Swami? Well, that's, I, I think both are there. The, the fairy tale, why is it only a fairy tale? I think Karen's saying is if they won't charge money. You know, that, that's a good thing to examine as a thought process. And the other thing that came to my mind is if you feel, if you see that fairy tale vision, and I honor that because I've for, for most of my life, and only later did I realize how I saw the world was in the future. And that's why I always had miscommunication with people. People would say something, go, oh, yeah. And then it was like, what? And then there's this big smack in my face because that's not what they meant. So if you yes, see, I have that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I sense that. So if you see that vision, then what I would say is start creating it. Find like-minded people if you can, and if not, just start creating that. And it'll either be created or you'll find a middle ground where you can appreciate, like Karen said, the people who charge, 
as well as the people who don't need to charge. There's nothing wrong with either of them. But yeah. if you see it, and it's not, you don't, you see it here, but you don't see it out there. It, it's for you, you're invited to create it. And wouldn't that yeah. be an amazing life? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that would be. I mean, I have no, I mean, yeah, I really, I mean, I understand why people charge, but there's this thing inside of me that says this is not how the world should be. Yeah. But I don't even know how to really explain it that well. It's, well, it, should is, is a very tricky word, but let's, let's put that word aside and say that's not the way you've been called to live in the world. Uh, okay. And in that way, there's no judgment. And that way it gets you off your seat and starting to feel your way around to how you would create that world. Because I'm, I'm in a similar boat and I'm being called to do things that if I put it, if I listen to myself and go, who are you to talk like that? You know, who, who do you, why do you think you're that big that you can have such a big dream? But you know what? After years of ignoring it, it's the only dream I haven't pursued, and it's the only one that makes me feel good. It's like, all right, I've scientifically proven that that's the one I have to follow. So check, do what you can to start to consider just you know, how you would create that dream. How would you? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I say you have to feel your way through it and pray yeah. on it. God, angels, show me what to do. Work through me. Because it's I, never... I want to get back to what Teresa was saying about money just being an energy stamp. It's like a holding place. I think that that's really important. Because what we do is we project our emotions onto money. That um, it's just an energy exchange. That's something that I think we're not getting as light workers Because we see money doing so much negativity in our world we see greedy people we see and so we place these beliefs on money that says that you know if someone's charging instead of doing it for free they're not being nice people but they're exchanging energy it's just an energy exchange i mean you could say to this person as a form of energy exchange instead of giving you money i'm going to give you um service you know i can work for you for a couple of days or whatever I mean, it's just energy exchange. But why would you go and take her course and not give something as an exchange? Because it's an exchange of energy. So at the moment, our dominant form of energy exchange is money. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, people like you and Swami say that there can be another way we're exchanging energy in service or in another way. And that's what I was saying about the you know, the young people that are creating moneyless societies or communities, they're, they're getting together, living on the farm, they're exchanging services and gifts, they're growing food and they're exchanging, but they're just exchanging energy in a different way. But the current form of energy exchange on our planet at the moment right. is money and we are participating in it. Right. So to make it evil or negative is to participate in something we don't want to participate in and then we're in stress right. because we are participating in it at the moment and until we create the utopian society where energy exchange is different and it doesn't look like money and, and we live in a fairer world we can't vilify it and that's i think where we get where we go wrong 
we can't vilify it. And so that angel lady is participating in an energy exchange. And like you, she is paying bills and that's another <coughs> form of energy exchange. So there are people providing yeah. services like electricity and power and rent and all that sort of thing. And, and then you're, you know, you're giving out money for that energy exchange. I think, I think um, part of my problem might be that I'm in the medical field and I see people all the time who need help but they don't have the money exactly. and then and but then you have these doctors who are living in two houses and exactly. so I think that transfers over to my spiritual because I see spiritual as, as necessary as medical and I so it kind of it's very well that's exactly right you see that's what I was talking about at the beginning of this like we we see the corruption everywhere and then we make money the villain. And then we can't allow ourselves to participate in a corrupt um, exchange, like a, a corrupt system. But it is the system we're participating in. So, to, so making it a, a corrupt, you know, in our heads, it's all about what we're believing. So making it a system of corruption inside our heads and then saying I'm a light worker, see, that's where there's this... Um, juxtaposition you know this the dilemma lies in that so we have to make money we have to take money out of jail and stop calling it the villain it's just an energy exchange and there are people that abuse the system and there are people that don't but look for the people that don't i know you work in the medical system and i know in the states we have a different medical system here you know, people can come to hospital dripping and dying and unless they have insurance or there's some form, unless they can pay, they won't be, they won't be served. And it just does not make sense to a light worker. Like how can you, you know, there's the Dr. Patch Adams who created the um, uh, Gesundheit Institute, you know, free medical. The, he created a hospital where there was a different form of energy exchange. Everyone was a volunteer and everyone was receiving and giving. And, and so he tried to create that utopian um, hospital. I don't know where he's at with it at the moment because that happened like 30 years ago, Swami. Uh, yeah. But he was trying to create a, a fairyland, a new, a new system inside an old system. Well, but we can't you know, identify the old system, yeah. Sorry? It's an interesting con uh, discussion because I feel there's, there's this interesting middle ground, at least for me, and I know other people. One, how to how to get a bit of both in there. So, if there is this corrupt system, fine. On the other side, we do need to survive. Uh, so when I'm serving people, it's how do I serve them with honor as opposed to corruptly. So the first thing is, I have to get to the root of their issue. I don't want to just treat a symptom because then I'll have a client forever and be wealthy, but I couldn't live with myself so that I can find the root cause. We can get rid of it quickly and we can get rid of it for good. That's one thing. Another thing is that I offer, I give, deliver more than I promise. I say, I'll do this. And then I wind up, I'm able in my heart to give even more. So even though it's, so it's X amount of money for this amount of time for the service, and then I wind up giving them even more. And then, and that's a really honest integrity middle ground. People say he gave me, he, he solved my problem. He gave me more than he promised. I can't, and I paid, uh, let's just say he, I paid as much as the, do, the medical doctor did. 
but I gave them, I gave them, you know, so many things that they weren't getting from a corrupt system, whatever that system is, or that corrupt person, let's just, or, or that person who thinks more of, that they need more. Let's put it that way. That's a very non-judging way. Does that help you think mm-hmm. about a, a, a middle ground? Yeah. But yeah. I I have a lot of processing to do, I guess, in my yeah. head. So, I mean, I totally understand that people need to make a living. I get all that. Yeah, I do. It's just, I guess I've just been seeing way too much of the um, corruption. Uh, selfish, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you, yeah. Mine, you know, mine yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to give you an exercise. I want you to look for the opposite of what you're seeing. So what's the opposite of corruption? I want you to look for examples of people that are philanthropic, doctors, um, people that are making a lot of money that are doctors, that are philanthropic. And when you start looking for that, you, you will see it. You know, you start to see it like this doctor who charges, you know, he might be a plastic surgeon. He charges tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for his work. And then he's, and then he's supporting a soup kitchen or he's, he's building schools in, in Africa or whatever. But to see how someone's using the system to, to ruthlessly pursue money, but then they're giving back too. Because I think what you're looking at is you're looking at the corruption and then you're seeing money as the villain. And so you're saying like some lady that's, this is classic, you know, this is classic. Some gorgeous lady who's teaching you how to speak to your angels. You're seeing her charging money as wrong. Like why? Why shouldn't she give this? <clears throat> no, I was just thinking everybody needs to know their guardian angel. Exactly, so. <laughs> and that's what we. But that's what light workers bump up against. Like everybody need. How can you talk about God and charge for money? Do you know what I mean? It's like you can't charge for money to be a spiritual teacher. Spirituality is free. You have to give it freely. You know, this is what these are the ideas that light workers bump up against. And the church. This is the irony of this, right? The church. You can go to church for free. You can go there for free and learn about God, but the church is one of the wealthiest, the Catholic church is one of the wealthiest institutions in the world, wealthiest institutions, um, because people do see value and so they give. And the church, I mean, I'm not a Catholic, but I went to a Catholic school for a while. And um, so I was going to sort of like other uh, Christian churches, which were not Catholic. They passed the, the money thing around once, right? Then when I started going to the Catholic church, they passed it around twice. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did they ask for money once, they asked twice. And I'm like, seriously? So, but you know, this is the irony that in order to do God's work, you have to do do it for free because it's so important. But um, but the God's work, you know, costs money too. (laughs) Because that's the system we're participating in. We're participating in an energy exchange that is dominated by money and being the energy and it's not a good or a bad thing it's just the way it is and to 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 not make it a bad thing yeah you know there's another way to look at this that comes to my mind is the law of supply and demand so uh, right now if uh, i have i know people if you want to create a website for people a lot of light workers do not have good websites and and the going rate for a website is it's quite huge you know for a little bit of time you could get be right in an average range of 
charging for a website and do a lot of good. And that same person could turn around and offer light worker services, but there's not as huge, it's not as valued yet. Oh, my website. Well, that's important. I'll pay you $300 for the hour. What? You want to heal my soul for $300? That's kind of, where do you get the idea? Of? <laughs> you want to change my life and charge me $300? Oh, no. But I will drop $300 on a leather handbag or pair of shoes. No problem. That's right. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so I think the time is coming where the people who have the money and not as much inner spirit are going to say, listen, I see what you have is something I need. And I can't, my money's not paying for it. It's not quite there yet fully, but I think that's where we're headed. In the meantime, all that we're talking about today is, will help us have a foot in both worlds. I want to tell you, money has just such emotional charge to it. And I've been workshopping this for years. And I, I, um, I just couldn't work it out. So one of the rules that I made to the universe was, can you just support me while I work this out? Because I can't work it out, right? And so I actually have a friend. She's, she was a client. She's a friend. She was a friend. Then she was a client. Then she saw the work I did because I did it on her. And she actually supports me financially. Meaning if I hit the wall and I can't pay my bills, I just go to her. She says, how much do you need? No questions asked. Mm. So I have someone in my life that supports me and you know, it's great to make your own money and to be able to support yourself, but it's just knowing that there's someone there that if you fall, she'll catch you. That is such a safe feeling. But I set that rule up. I said to the universe, you know, while I try and sort out this giving and receiving and money thing because I had so much emotional charge connected to it because I saw my family just hate themselves over money. You know, my father didn't speak to his brother for 30 years over the sale of a Rolls Royce that they were left in an inheritance. I came from a wealthy family and I saw everyone just explode and it was all over money. So I grew up with all this ugliness around money, right? And so I was workshopping it for years. And then I wrote a rule and I said, universe, just support me while I figure it out. And that's exactly what happened. So um, I'm going to take that rule. Thank you. <laughs> we, we get to write the rules, but... Yeah, we get to write the rules. And, and I think that today we're writing a new rule. And the new rule is I can ruthlessly pursue money and be a force of huge change in this world. You know, a huge force of good as I ruthlessly pursue money. And ruthlessly pursuing money is, is serving the world. It's serving me, serve the world. That's a new rule that I'm writing. Not that ruthless, it's probably not the right word, but. Can we say passionately? Relentlessly. Relentlessly, passionately. Ruthless doesn't sit well with me. I know, ruthless doesn't sit well, but it was funny. It was just the thought form that I'd said to Teresa. Right, I've got a new thought form. It's not the pursuit of money, it's just the ruthless pursuit of money. And she said, Well, Mother Teresa ruthlessly pursued money. I'm like, Damn. But yeah, but but not to make the word ruthless wrong either, because uh, yeah, as you as you look at Teresa, as you look at Mother Teresa, she was ruthless, and she she did a lot of good with that ruthlessness. So, you know, we 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 don't need to vilify even vilify that word, but 
passionate, if you know, if you need a better word, a fluffier word, passionately. Um, yeah. Or so you the can word say ruthless. Attract. Yeah. Yeah. The the word ruthless means showing no pity or compassion for others. But what if it means showing no compassion for the lack of spirit? I refuse to not see spirit. I refuse to not see spirit flow. It's a way to kind of. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, you know, judo this thing, words all around, ideas all around. Or you could say ruthlessly attract money, you know, or um, passionately attract money, or passionately or ruthlessly pursue my own value. Yeah. Um, and the value I bring to the world, like I'm going to ruthlessly and passionately pursue my own sense of value to others. And as you ruthlessly, you know, without compassion in that you're not going to buy into any other idea or thought form that says I'm not of value. And you, you start to really buy into your own value. Then you start to attract. I'm going to ruthlessly see spirit in money. <laughs> I'm going to ruthlessly see spirit in money. Exactly. I'm going to see spirit in money. Exactly. Because it's the current thought form. And we can still hold our utopian dream of a right. different lifestyle. We can still hold that as a dream. But we're participating in a system that we, um, we have to participate in willingly and joyfully and passionately. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you for being online today. <clears throat> Thank, you. Thank you for holding this. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully this helps. And I would say to people that are watching, you know, revisit it, revisit this conversation as many times because it needs to sink in. I've been, revi I've been revisiting it for 20 odd years. You know, it just, it's that uh, practice. It's like your spiritual practice. You've got to keep practicing on shifting and deliberately shifting your um, negative ideas about things because seeing anything as negative is to resist it and what we resist persists so love it all love it all love the ruthlessness love the corruption love all of it that's the way you change it your love changes things not your hate right yeah I feel like somebody needs to play the organ now. You know? <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Lots of love. Joy, joy. Thanks, guys, for participating in another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. I offered this special session about money and influence and lightworkers and you, you know, to overcome the pursuit of money is destroying our world because I really feel it's important. So I have offered this for free. I, everyone that came online, I offered to come on for free. But I do have a donate button underneath if you have received value from this session that we had on money and influence and you and lightworkers or difference makers and change makers. So if you did receive any value today, please, exchange the value with me by using the paypal button on the youtube or on my website you can donate to the show on the website or you can use that 
PayPal button underneath. I'd really appreciate, you know, that exchange because I'm offering this as an exchange. And remember, we have to see money as just an energy exchange. You know, what I give, I receive, and what I receive, I give. So if you've received, give. Thanks again for joining us and love to you all. Blessings. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining us for another enlightened conversation on Accentuate the Positive. If you would like spiritual guidance from my guides, Blissful Beings, go to karenswain.com for a reading or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom. Go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to. All the podcasts are also available on iTunes. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. Until next time, bye for now. If you feel like that's what you want